This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I am David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions, talking all things Pac-12 football, Dave was going with his like Wink Martindale voice maybe there, something like that. Well, what was interesting is I discovered it about halfway through because I didn't have anything (laughs) that I was really doing at the beginning except for like a weird staccato thing. Uh, And then I'm like, why not? Let's go, Wink Martindale. That's a microcosm of our entire show. We're like, oh, we're not so sure what we're talking about. Oh, Mm -hmm. we're talking about this now. That's perfect. Um, But we got uh, got, a great show today. We're going to preview Pac-12 Media Day. Both of us will be there. LA Live, downtown Los Angeles. We're going to drive. We're going to even go park carpool. Hell, we could car cast after the thing. I don't know. We'll do something like that. If you have any questions or comments for the show, I know we skipped last week. I was hiking, camping in Catalina. Uh, so we took a week off. I don't even think I heard from you, Dave. Did we even like, you didn't even like plan. I forgot to even mention it. I wasn't no, really gone. I had, I had a day um, where I was uh, basically flying back and forth to the East Coast all in a single day. Okay. For, for, for personal reasons unknown to all of you. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so when when I didn't hear from you by about Wednesday afternoon, I'm like, you know what? Great. <laughs> I don't want to try to record a podcast. I don't know where I am or what I'm doing. That is, it is kind of funny that we're on the same wave, like where I go out of town and like I, I had no service for like two days because mm-hmm. I was camping remotely. And like, so you get a whole bunch of texts and stuff afterwards, but not one from Dave. So no. He didn't seem to mind that I was gone and we didn't record anything. No, God, no. But that we're on the same page. That's that's good. Uh, you can email us, podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac12Podcast and our website is Pac12Podcast.com. We're over on the Reddit. We should get that rolling. I haven't looked at the Reddit for a while. We got to get it rolling. Get some discussion on Pac12. Going forward, especially with Media Day being here. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, you should follow the podcast of Champions, the premier Pac-12 podcast. I don't even know if there's other ones. Do we do we talk about this before? Are there other Pac-12 podcasts? There probably are. I don't know. You've listened to them and you talk about them constantly on the show. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. But remember when we were doing that, it was like there weren't any before, I think. And then, uh, uh, yes, there's a couple other ones out there. But you want to listen to us. You want to subscribe to us. You want to follow us. You can follow them all. I don't care. But give us a five-star rating, a positive review, a negative review. As long as you leave us five stars, we will read it. 
I think we got a new one, right? There was one the day we recorded. There may be. Uh, Let me look. Um, yeah. I think Dave's we on got... top of it. I give him this long preamble, and he's yeah, like, "Oh, by the I way, I had it up, and then I changed the links, and I started reading something else while you were still talking." Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we got a good one. Uh, this is from Hobo Piss. Um, it's a five star review. I wanted so Ryan it's was taking Ryan name. was taking a big drink at that moment, so I was hoping Hobo Piss <laughs> would get him to spit out some some liquid, but it didn't. Um, fine, I'll give in. After listening for years and begging for a five-star review, you did it. You broke me down. I guess for every show needs a Statler and Waldorf, Waldorf laughing away in the mezzanine. Nice. Yeah, a little Muppets reference yeah, there. Yeah, I love the Muppets. Those are great. Those are great characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many great Muppet characters. But thank you for the review. Uh, we do appreciate that. It does help to grow the show. And uh, we get a lot of a uh, lot more downloads. People are, I guess people are interested with all this conference. And we responded to that by not recording a show. We did, yeah. Uh, but we're 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 back now. We got a preview, uh, Pac-12 Media Day. There's some little kind of notes um, we did hear from Kevin Warren. So the the thing is, we haven't heard from George Klyovkov since the USC UCLA announcement going to the Big Ten. We didn't really hear from Kevin Warren, uh, so we got to hear from him this week. Uh, I don't know. So I was checking out. I mean, I get Big Ten Network in my house. I was checking out Big Ten Media Days. I don't watch like. You know, I didn't care what PJ Fleck had to say, but you know, they they all said some stuff about USC and UCLA. Um, but he was asked, uh, Kevin Warren was asked, "Have you talked to George Klyavkov? Because they're an alliance, right? Like they're basically, you know, in in lockstep." Uh, he said they have not spoken since, but uh, they will talk. They're going to schedule a call sometime after Pac-12 Media Day. Is that is that shocking? Um, Which part? <laughs> <laughs> that, that they haven't talked. Like, I, I don't know why they are talking on Friday. I, I, what would be the point? You mean... Uh, What's the point of having any discussion between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 right now? Is it sort of like you get dumped and you're like, I don't really need an explanation. Like, you dump me. You know, like... Yeah, I, I mean, well, like, it's... Uh, Klyavkov, I mean, there's worthwhile conversations to be had with USC and UCLA, but why would you ever need to talk to Kevin Warren ever again in your life? Yeah, I think there would be some some hard feelings but if if you're if i'm klyavkov i would talk because i'm still trying to protect how does it help you in any way to protect your 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 conference by talking to kevin warren right now well i mean he can give you another false sense of security i I think you're gonna have a little bit more skepticism for sure but if there's any kind of information um that you can glean from i don't know i mean i just it's worth a worth i think it's better than not talking uh, as long as you're not going to reveal, uh, you got to be the better poker player. Like you don't want to reveal anything, and you want to try to get information. Sure. Um, yeah. What the hell? Talk to anyone. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought uh, Kevin Warren. Um, he sounds like an accelerationist. He sounds like he is all about making this two super conferences sometime very soon. Yeah, um, they are not done with expansion. I don't think. Yeah, which um, I think you know, I, I I've probably now moved to the side where that's probably not good. Um, but it sounds like he's on board with it. So. I think three would be better if we could do that. Like, you know, I think it'd be cool if everyone got into a super conference, call it like 130 teams or something. And then they subdivided it regionally into like, I don't know if you would call those like sub conferences or divisions of some sort. Yes. Um, And then had them all compete throughout the regular season for their own championships in those particular divisions. Cause you know, those regional divisions could actually provide a lot of like pride and rivalry potential for right. a lot of those schools. And then at some point, you know, in December, January, figure out some way, either a playoff or maybe a computer algorithm or 
maybe you just don't, but you uh, figure out who's the actual national championship at that point. Would you rather have each of those sub conferences you call them ruled by like say like a, a local warlord and then the, or do we want like a governing body over the whole thing i mean i i think you could probably have a loose <laughs> governing body of some sort um that maybe provides rules and can hand out punishments if you're not following the rules correctly um but really, I mean, you could you could do whatever you want. So I'm worried about those warlords because if they get too powerful, then they might start, you know, attacking the other subconferences and then kind of forming bigger, like let's call them super subconferences. And I could foresee that happening. Yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, I it might take it might take literally decades and and potentially a hundred years for that to happen. But yeah, I mean, it could happen. But um, you know, it's it's an ebb and flow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty funny. So we're laughing at ourselves because we did not plan any of that. It just comes off the cuff. A uh, lot other news. USC and UCLA will get full shares uh, of the, the revenue pie. So I think that was probably a big reason. If you remember, Nebraska came over in 2010 from the the from the big – what was it? The big – was it Big 12 then? Yeah, it was yeah, Big 12. Big 12. Um, I don't remember if there was change to the, the Big 10. And it took them six years to get a full share. Uh, was it a year or two later, Maryland and uh, Rutgers came? I don't, I don't remember how many years, but it was multiple years. USC and UCLA bringing, obviously, a lot of cachet to that media deal. They're getting full shares right away. So that was that was a little something you know that I thought was kind of interesting. He also said that um, USC and UCLA approached the Big Ten. Yeah. So that's kind of what we were all expecting. That made sense. Um, the, 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 the thing that I thought that should um – that kind of goes against some of what was being reported, particularly by some uh, USC reporters, not you, um, but some others that I read. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Pac-12 uh, or former Pac-12 USC UCLA home night games. Um, that was one thing Kevin Warren noted. This gives them access to that window, which was a huge priority for them in the team negotiating deals. Like, yeah, they get access to seven thirty and eight o'clock now. They're going to use that access. There's going to be a lot of Big Ten night games on the West Coast. The only two schools that can provide that are UCLA and USC. So get ready for a lot of conference home 730 games. And probably, my guess is later in the season. Because you'd rather, like if you're Minnesota, would you rather, you know, go to LA when it's cold in in the Midwest? I mean, I think you'd, you'd probably have later home games because you're like, well, do you want to play in East Lansing, or do you want to play in Minneapolis or play in Los Angeles? Those, you know, the later. I think season. I think TV is going to want access to that window all year long. <laughs> oh, so, that's true. So they might spread it out more. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there was a lot of happy talk that this is going to help fix the late night games for the Pac-12 or for UCLA and USC. I mean, it will to an extent because all of the road games will not be. None of them will right. be seven thirty kicks. But your um, home games, there's probably going to be a lot. Your of home them. games are going to be exclusively nighttime. No. The tailgating people like it, right? Like they want the long tailgates. I don't think anybody likes a seven thirty. People like five o'clocks. People like four. Five o'clocks. Or better, yeah. Seven o'clocks. I don't think anybody's nobody's really enjoying staying out at a football game until eleven thirty at night. I don't know. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's a long. It's for us. It's just like, a long haul. Yeah. Uh, there was also a lot of talk about sixteen team playoffs. So that's something we'll see uh, tomorrow at Pac twelve Media Day. If they mentioned that, so Kevin Warren talked about that. It seems to me that's where they're. Sort of moving towards and dropping, you know, that the automatic qualifiers. One of the things the Big Ten was hung up on automatic qualifiers. The SEC didn't want it, but now that the Big Ten is becoming a super conference, they're fine with getting more at-larges because they'll have more teams get in the playoff. 
So that's sort of like the thing that the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big 12, I think they want the, the automatic qualifiers more. But as those two conferences get powerful with Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey kind of working together, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But it seems like the Pac-12, the, uh, the playoff expansion was sort of dead. Now it seems to be alive again, uh, but also not just alive, but um, it looks like 16 might be the thing, the number they go after now. Yeah, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I think like if they're going, I mean, it sounds like, uh, especially with the super conferences becoming a real thing, it sounds like we're inevitably faced with um, expansion here very soon. Um, I would prefer them do it a little bit incrementally. Going, jumping from whatever it is, four, four. to 16, yeah. that's, that's a huge jump. And we're already going to be faced with the reality that this is just a, a lower quality NFL. Uh, making it a 16 team playoff at the same time, roughly, is like just going to add to this like feeling of this is just stupid NFL shit. Yeah. Like, do we really need to see Ole Miss in a playoff? Like, do we really need to see, uh, you know, so who's 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 going to be the sixth best team in the Big Ten that year? You know, right. So it's funny. Um, I was listening to Andy Staples, and they kind of used the college football playoff rankings from last year and set things up. And they're like, the one thing they wanted to avoid was like, do you really want to see a sixteen team just get waxed by Alabama or something early on? But the funny thing was, you can get like it would have been Oklahoma last year who changed their starting quarterback was playing well. You know, they they beat Oregon in the uh, Alamo Bowl. Oklahoma versus Alabama in, in round one would have been kind of fun. You know, like, they, now, Alabama's still going to be favored or whatever, but still, that's like, it's one of those things where I, I kind of like, it kind of grew on me a little bit. 12, I, I liked. I thought, like, having some buys and stuff. And it does seem like now there's going to be two rounds of games on campuses. So that'll be, like, home games for people and stuff. Um yeah, I don't but know. But that's the last year. So, but that was the last year. So, uh, here's what it's going to be when this actually does expand, which is probably not going to be for another few years, is it's going to be a lot of the super conferences. You're going to have a lot right. of conference opponents playing each other in the playoffs who have already played each other. Um, it's uh, my concern is that it's going to feel like a lesser version of the NFL playoffs, which yeah. is not what. I don't think I don't think it's anyone envisions like that's the ideal for college football um, is True. that it's essentially a lesser version of the NFL, because I think the differentiating factors of college football, like the weird, you know, stuff, the weird bowl games, the weird um, structures for the different postseasons and also uncommon opponents, you know, where you play somebody who's, you know, a little off the beaten path. That's the stuff that makes college football cool um, and very different from the NFL and this you know you're gonna have uh, what a probably by that point a 20 or 24 team Big Ten and probably a 20 or 24 team uh, SEC and of the playoff spots there's gonna be what 16 of them so what are it's gonna be like 14 of them go to those two conferences I don't know it's not gonna be it's it's gonna be weird the difference would be you know in the you remember those subdivision things you talked about like the NFL already does that there's no subjectivity. It's just like who wins. You know, you get here's mm-hmm. where here's the rules to make the playoffs. Like there's no like voting. So there's no like, you know, that seven and five old miss team, they beat Alabama and Georgia, but they lost to some other crap. Think they should get in over uh eleven and one Cincinnati team, you know, stuff like that, where it's gonna be like, come on, you know. But that that's where it's it's big, 
But if you're going to like pick, well, we think this team is better because they were fifth in the SEC versus the winner of some uh, group, former group of five conference or whatever it is. Yeah, there, there's that subjectivity to it. You're like, ugh, like there's going to be some some groans when that happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Oh, so John Cazano did a story uh, earlier today. Um, he talked to who was it? It was. Um, Bob Thompson, the former president of Fox Sports Network. So apparently there's about a week left in that exclusive 30-day window. Um, he's not expecting for it to negotiate with ESPN for the television deal. Uh, unless there's like some amazing deal, he's not expecting um, the Pac-12 and the ESPN to come to a deal before the close of that window. Uh, but it's just kind of a starting point, most likely. We'll see if something happens. But And there, there's probably interest from other outlets and stuff. So it kind of gives Klayovkov an idea of like where they stand. There have been some reports that ESPN was lowballing the Pac-12. We'll see. We'll see kind of what happens there. We might learn some more about that tomorrow. But he was, it was interesting. He was talking about potential expansion targets. And his number one is like by far San Diego State. Um, he said, there's no doubt in my mind that San Diego State is number one target without a doubt. Uh, they should decide, should they decide to go forward with expansion? But he also talked about, you know, he, he thinks like UNLV, Fresno, Boise, they're all about the same. There's, you know, pluses and minuses for each one. But uh, he talked about SMU, maybe Houston, if you could get them before they go in the Big 12. But I thought that was interesting that he felt um, San Diego State was the number one if you're going to expand. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think San Diego State makes the most sense. I think San Diego State has the potential to be really good, too. Um, new stadium coming. And- new stadium. It's small, but it's going to be pretty cool. Um, they also have access to a pretty good recruiting area in San Diego, and they'll be proximate to L.A. They'll be the only Pac-12 school in the L.A. area. Uh, so I think there's a lot of reasons um, for them to be you know, open mm-hmm. to the idea, but I think also the Pac-12... Um, makes a lot of sense for them too. Um, the, the, the thing is wh- who's the partner, wh- who else are you going to get? And I, I don't know. I mean, I think you can try to do the big 10 thing, but I think you're just doing a version. You're doing a much lesser version. If you're trying to expand to Texas right now, what I would probably do is just go get Fresno state. Um, and just make that the tandem. If you're already dipping down into the Cal States, then just do it. Yeah. Get Fresno state too. Fresno state brings a football brand. Um, Fresno State fans are kind of rabid. I mean, it's not quite. Oh, they're really it's, good. It's not quite like. Um, uh, it's, it's SEC not, it's like a, environment. Yeah, it's not a huge fan base, but they are really, really into it. Um, if it became a bigger thing, I mean, I could see them being a huge inland brand um, in the Pac-12. Um, and yeah, you're, are you growing the pool? No. Um, but Fresno State might also come in with like some sort of Nebraska type thing where it's like, hey. Uh, in eight years, you'll get a full share, uh, but you're going to start out less because they're probably not making all that much in the Mountain West right now anyway. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of value to San Diego State. And then I think if you're j- just keep it West Coast, make it continue with it being a West Coast conference. Don't go outside your footprint, because I think that that's where you start to get destabilized unless you're a wealthy super giant like Big Ten. Yeah, uh, no, I would agree. And I've, I've been there. Uh, I covered Fresno State for a little while, and when they, you know, they had Derek Carr and Devonte Adams. I mean, they, they, it's like forty thousand people, but they were packed. Like when they're good, people. Well, and really when you enjoy. when you bring in San Diego State and Fresno State, you're bringing in two programs that are better than USC and UCLA over the last decade. Yeah, but and uh, 
Fresno is a like the Central Valley, a lot of players too. Like there's a lot of really no, good players. Fresno Fresno consistently turns out um a, at least a handful of quality high level power five players every single year. Oklahoma's gone there and uh Yeah, Oklahoma's built a lot of their defensive backfields off of uh Fresno uh area players. UCLA and USC have both recruited the hell out of Fresno. Um if they had power five status, I think you'd suddenly see the talent level for Fresno. And Fresno has always been an attractive transfer destination too for power five bounce backs. Yeah. Um there's there's a lot of reason to think that they could be competitive in the Pac twelve and I think in the fullness of time could bring some value um, because I think that fan base would love to be part of more of the power five experience. And that might help to grow that program. And you got, you know, you got the central Valley, you got San Diego, like it's sort of like, you know, it's trying to get Southern California. So there's, uh-huh. there's some positives there. Uh, Wilner did a piece this week. Um, he thought, so one of the things you're trying to find ways that the PAC 12 has value, get that TV contract up. So one of the nuggets he put in there was the Pac-12 network production infrastructure. So the way they produce all those games in San Francisco, uh, they have the home base there and they have like remote, um, I don't know, some equipment at each Pac-12 school. Uh, He feels that could be a good bargaining chip for USC that you could, you know, maybe that's something that helps with the ACC network. Uh, You can, or, you know, even for ESPN West Coast Productions, they can use that operation hub. So kind of acquiring that as part of everything it might be something that apparently it's a good piece of you know technology sure. i don't know but we'll, take we'll it. never kind of put that in there did you hear this part uh ryan day uh was on the big 10 network and i was listening to him he was playing golf with chip kelly or in like a group next to chip kelly and i guess they're friends um and they were on the golf course when they heard the news that they had joined he's like hey you're in my conference now or something i thought that was kind of funny it's pretty on brand It was pretty on brand, yeah is Chip Kelly a good golfer? Or I have no idea. I can't imagine. I don't think so. I don't. He doesn't really have. He doesn't have a golfer's body to me. No, but like John Daly can golf. You know, like there's no. But, but Daly's a big dude. Like he's got like you know he's got long arms. He's got the whole thing. Like Chip. Chip strikes me as a guy with like kind of short arms. Yeah, too. that's true. Um, he, you doesn't, need, he like, doesn't have the levers for it. It's like I don't swing super hard, but because I'm tall and long, just by turning all the way, yeah, it's you the torque, it's yeah. the it's the length, it's it's all whatever. It's like geometry. So I can hit, yeah, I can hit pretty far. Um, okay, so let's see. There was also okay. So the Pac-12 Network announced they're doing a bunch of new football shows. So they're kind of going all in on this football thing, which oh good seems pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, we're gonna do like pregame shows, and you know, we're gonna do some feature shows on stuff. Did they? They haven't called us. I guess maybe they would have if USC usually didn't maybe. leave. Uh, but oh, like you're gonna do shows about football on your networks? Like that's that's pretty smart. <laughs> what if the Pac-12 Network continued to cover UCLA and USC? Just awesome. like we will continue to cover the Pac-12. Yeah. I don't know. That would be good. Uh, we we could maybe we we'll have us do a show. But they did expand that. It's going to be. Media Day is going to be on Pac-12 Network. That's new, right? Like that wasn't they weren't doing that before, right? Like they were. I want to say they did that. They were doing like coverage, I think, but not like like I watched Big Ten Network. I watched Media Day. Like I don't think we could do that on the Pac-12 Network, right? I thought that was possibly not. Yeah. I don't think that was the of the case. I also want to give a shout out to Andrew, um, our buddy Andrew, who does the eye charts. This is an eye chart I actually want to see. Uh, he puts out the the full football schedules for all of the um, the teams in the Pac-12 one. So it's this really colorful, uh, very cool 
Um, there's some weird accomplished meter or something at the end. I don't know, whatever, but um, I'm not sure what that is. That's some of his stat stuff there. But um, yeah, you can see like Oregon's on the front line. You can see each week who they play, if it's a neutral site game, if it's a home or away game. So, you know, they have a neutral site game in Atlanta against Georgia in week one. Um, no Pac-12 teams are playing in week zero this year, so there's none, none there. But it's a really cool visual that I'm going to like bookmark and keep up with because uh, I think it's pretty cool. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. Did you see that one yet? Or I'm looking at it right now. It's beautiful. Yeah. Andrew does an amazing job with his charts. He, yeah, he does. Some of them I don't want to see. This one I did. So I was like, I'll give him a shout Some out. Some of them Ryan can't discern. He can't read them. He doesn't understand them. Well, there's, yeah. I'm just saying. Exactly. Now, some of them are basically opaque and would take a, um, a guide of some sort to read. Hmm. And I don't mean like a written legend. I mean like literally a person <laughs> who's like kind of holding your hand and like giving you like a neck rub while you're trying to read it so that you're de-stressing while you are trying to understand what's in the eye chart. Yeah. Like that sort of guide. Well, yeah, like a like, Sherpa of sorts. Here's the X-axis. Here's the Y. Here's the Z. I'm not going to tell you what's on each one of those. And no. There... And there will be no labels. <laughs> None. <laughs> It's like you could could clearly see the trend here, but I don't know what the hell you're. It's like the old meme about um, as you get older as a man, your watch loses more and more features. Like when you're young, it's digital. When when you get a little bit older, it's the face and the hands and all the numbers and everything is on there. And then by the time you're like 75, it's just a single single stick, and there's absolutely no labels whatsoever. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, okay, well, we got to talk about Pac-12 Media Day. Do we? So this is the thing. Um, I'm going to do the thing that annoys some people, but when? why do we cover this thing as if it's a thing to be covered and not just an access point for the coverage? Mm-hmm. Because the whole point is we interview people um, for stories and stuff, but now this thing where it's just literally a media access opportunity has become a thing in and of itself to cover. Do you see the distinction I'm making here? Yeah. Well, like, so, sometimes, like, you've waited a while. It's been a long off season, And say, like, hey, I'm a, a UCLA fan. I want to hear what's going to happen before fall camp. Like, who would you want to hear from? So, like, okay, obviously they're going to bring, like, a Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously the offensive player they're going to bring. It's going to be, like, Zach Charbonnet or Dorian Thompson-Robinson or maybe transfer-wide receiver Jake Bobo. Somebody who's going to play a big role this year and who's definitely not right. just a, a, a nondescript offensive lineman. <laughs> Wait, no, it's going to be starting guard John Gaines. Hopefully starting, right? Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully starting <laughs> offensive lineman John Gaines. Um, but for everyone else, like you do want to hear from the coach. And when there's news like this, the, the unfortunate part is, like if you listen to any Big Ten media day, it's like every, even SEC, like everyone was going to be talking about Conference expansion. They're like, well, what does it mean for in the SEC that the, the Big it, Ten is adding USC and UCLA? Do, do, do you think the mood in the in media day tomorrow is going to be funereal? Like, do you think it's going to be like a funeral? Yeah. Ryan's face when I said funereal, funereal. I was like, what? He's like, funereal? What? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear the first part. I just heard the funereal at the end. I'm like, what? what is he talking about? Yeah. Do you think it's going to be like that? Do you think people are going to be dressed in black? Do you think they're going to be, um, you know? Doing some I, whaling? I don't, you know, the the thing I want to hear from, because I think, um, what was the, uh, the athletic director at Colorado, George? Uh, Rick George. Rick George. Two I, first names, can't trust him. Right. Uh, I feel like he had a, a little bit of a bitter comment. Yeah. Something about like, 
those teams haven't made the playoff or something. So it doesn't, you know, it's not going to be as big of a deal. I want to hear some of that. I want to hear some like sort of. I want to. I want to hear some real bitching, especially from like a Colorado. It's like yes, there's been it just you know bastion of success at that yeah. program. Um, so if there's a little little bitching, little like I would like to see that. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're going to see any sort of like chest puffing from the coaches or players from USC and UCLA. I don't think they're going to be like yeah. These peasants were leaving. Like, I don't think you're going to see any no, of that. No, Chip Kelly's going to say, oh, well, we'll just play who we get put in front of us. And, exactly. and then uh, we'll have, try to have a good Wednesday. And Lincoln Riley's like, I didn't even coach the game in this league. I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I, if this league, I already moved leagues. Like, if you're going to move leagues again in two years. I, I think the schools and the athletic departments are probably pretty stoked about the move. I can't imagine a single coach of any team for USC or UCLA who is like, yeah, this is great. I'm really excited about having to go to the Big Ten and play a bunch of road games in the Midwest. I mean, it can help on the recruiting front. Like we've yeah, talked to I think, recruits. I think they can talk themselves into that part, but I think the initial reaction, oh yeah, like from coaches is because it will make. I mean, it's going to make things more complicated. But you can sell, hey, we're we're going to the fucking big house this year. Like you can sell that if you're Chip Kelly or Lincoln Riley. You know, like we're we're going to be playing a game at the Horseshoe. Yeah. Um. So I don't know, but so all the 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 order will be. Uh, it's one day. Um, they'll have six teams go and then a break. Uh, they start off with Utah and Oregon. So the two division winners from last year. So Kyle Whittingham, Dan Lanning, then Washington will go with Kalen DeBoer. Colorado's Carl Durrell will be up there. Arizona's Jed Fish. And fall, the morning will end with Stanford's David Shaw. David Shaw right before lunch. You know, the, when you're doing a presentation, you always want to be the one, the last one before lunch. No, he's, you don't. The thing is, he's usually good in these environments. Yeah, he is good. He's really good. Um, but I think it's a, it's a tough And then one. we'll do the lunch thing. The lunch thing's always weird because you eat lunch with the coaches, and they're, like, available during that period. Um, so, like, if you're, like, the beat writer for UCLA, you're sitting there eating lunch with Chip Kelly. Um, right. Which is, you know. And it's usually, like, the, the USC table, the UCLA table are full because there's local media. It's, just, right. it's easier to – for well, there's more media there. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to sit with Carl Durrell. I would I'm gonna do talk that. to Carl and be like, "Hey, it, it was I a covered good you yeah. 15 years ago oh. when I was a student, and you were terrible. About 70 pounds ago, do you remember <laughs> me? But like when Dan Weber used to write for me, like you know, you'd get your opportunities to talk to whoever the head coach was at USC. But go sit down and have lunch with Mike Leach. Like that's way more fun. Like yeah. when he was there, you know, like oh, this this let's get you know if Rolovich was around." Um, you know, I would go talk with, uh, Jed fish, you know, go to see what's going Jed on. Jed the so, fish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the afternoon, Herm Edwards. I mean, so that's like, so last year you remember, you remember why, like it was so interesting besides mm-hmm. like conference expansion and NIL, all the stuff that Klayoff got. Because we all thought with. Herm Edwards was going to be fired and he's still here. It wasn't even that, like all these things for Klayoff's first media day. Nick Rolovich wasn't there. Like, he right. literally was not there. And it was just like, this is Klayovkov's like three weeks into his job. And like, oh, one of my head coaches cannot be here in person. Um, it was really. I forgot that was only a year ago. It was really freaking interesting. Like, that was interesting. I think her, the, you know, outside of like, hey, you know, Lincoln Riley, new, new guy on the block, expansion, what the hell's going on with Herm Edwards? Like, I mean, the everything I've heard from him has been more 
it's like, oh, there's an inquiry or something. It's not talking about like this, some you know, investigation or whatever. Um, what does he say? So we'll, we'll get him right after lunch. That's exciting. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, and then we get uh, you get Jake Dickert, Washington State, uh, Justin Wilcox from Cal. Uh, ask him, hey, did you get offered the Oregon job? Oregon State we got Jonathan Jonathan Smith, and then they end with the LA schools, UCLA, and USC. So if I had my druthers, I would probably Kelly and Michael I would probably show up for Klyavkov leave for like several hours, um, <laughs> then come back for UCLA and then leave. Uh, Ryan and I are carpooling, so I'm going to be there from 7 a.m. until USC is over. You could um, explore. Yeah, maybe I'll just walk around. Yeah. Um, or you could get content for our podcast. You love this stuff. You love <laughs> listening to what Jonathan Smith has to say mm. about his backup quarterback heading into the season. Like, you just it you is. eat this stuff up. Yeah. Um, the student app, so there'll be an offensive-defensive player for – Every school. Are you going to read them off now? No, I don't want to read them off. But there's not. There's only, let's see, there's for quarterbacks, uh, Utah's bringing Cam Rising. Stanford's bringing um, Tanner McKee. uh, USC's bringing Caleb Williams. USC's bringing two players. Both are transfers. Like, both haven't been on the team before. Shane Lee, the linebacker. And uh, Cameron Ward, uh, Washington State um, transfer. So all those guys were transfers. You know, Rising was there last year, except McKee. But only three quarterbacks. It seems a little bit of a problem. Now, Dorian Thompson Robbins should be there, but Chip Kelly's an alien, so he's not. You know, like that's I don't what else is there another explanation why? Like besides Chip Kelly being an alien? Uh, no, it's not him being an alien, it's him being a dick. <laughs> like that's what it is. He's just I mean, it's it's oh, this is the contrarian thing to do to not bring like the guy who people would actually want to and no knock on John Gaines. He's gonna be a good interview. John Gaines is great. Um but it's uh you know national media is not gonna have a whole lot to ask a offensive guard. They'd have a lot to ask Dorian Thompson Robinson. Dorian Thompson Robinson, if you go look at his stats, and I know a lot of people um base their judgments on uh how he looked as a sophomore. Dude, if he continues his like statistical progression, could be like a borderline Heisman candidate this year if he continues at his current like trajectory. Yeah. Um, and he may not, and he might regress, but there's that possibility. He's going to have a lot of people who want to ask him questions, and uh, instead, th- th- he's not going to be available. No. Um, any anyone else? Sort of. So there's a bunch of transfers. You know, with this the new era of that. Um, only four quarterbacks out of the 12, uh, we got how many offensive linemen? One, three, four, five offensive linemen. I think one, two, three, six offensive linemen. Um, that's a lot of offensive linemen. You know, half of the, the teams represented by an offensive lineman, Jacob Cowing, uh, Arizona's wide receiver will be there. You got Luke Musgrave, the Oregon State tight end will be there. That's, that makes sense. Um, here's what I'll say. I think Utah's brought its two best players. It's, Clark you know, it's quarterback and one of its very best defensive players. I think USC has brought two of its best players. Um, other ones that stand out as having brought like two of their best players. I mean, who would even know from Colorado? Uh, <laughs> Stanford has brought two of its best players. Um, yeah. I like I like Washington State bringing Cameron Ward. I mean, I think it shows. Like- yeah, I think Washington State and I'll... I'll I'll give Washington credit just because I mean who really knows what that quarterback situation is right, right now. If um, you're if you're in like 
a limbo state where there's multiple people. Yeah. And Jackson Kirkland's good. You know, that's he's a he's a real player for them. Um, but I would say, no, this isn't uh, like if if you, for Oregon. I mean, yeah, it's nice to talk to Alex Forsyth, but wouldn't you want to hear from Bo Nix going into the season? But he might not be the starter, right? Like. Is that the word? I thought it's pretty much a shoe in at this is it? point. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's. I thought there's still a competition, but I mean, yeah. But what's the reality? But I'm not looking at this going like. So Caleb Williams, I've got to talk with him. He's like polished. He, I mean, he never spoke to the media at all last year until the Alamo Bowl against Oregon. He's like, uh, I mean, you would want to hear him. Like he's good. If I don't see a lot of like the Kayvon Thibodeau kind of dudes, like these personalities, these big personalities on this list there's definitely some cool guys um but you know i i think i don't know it's not the i mean there's there's gonna be people you're gonna like to listen to but there's maybe there's not the like off the chart personalities who was the uh the arizona state defensive back that came last year what am i blank on his name he uh, was chase yeah lucas yeah chase lucas. awesome like i mean there's dudes like that there's probably some guys that i don't know that i haven't heard from and they're, they're oh wow that guy, i'm gonna we'll come back and go wow that guy was great um but they're you know like the Kayvon Thibodeaus of the world. You're One thing like I'll say is offensive superstar. Offensive here. linemen, if you get them talking, generally speaking, offensive linemen are the smartest guys on the team. They are smart, so they can they'll they'll tell you some stuff, right? Um, so you know, six offensive linemen—that's not the worst thing in the world. No, I think you'll get good information from them and good sound bites and stuff. But you know, you want someone coming in with a, uh, you know, a, a neon green suit, you know, just like <laughs> like. Just like stands out, just like, you know, we'll see. Um, All right. Well, that's sort of like what's on tap for that is, uh, like I said, we haven't heard from George Klyovkov yet. Are you, are you expecting him? What do you expect him to say about losing USC and UCLA? Because he's got to have to address it, obviously. I think he'll, I think he'll say, look, we are disappointed. We're going to carry forward the next two years with these two schools as part of our membership, and we're going to promote them. We're going to try to, um, you know, see what we can uh, accomplish together. And then we're going to wish them well and try to beat them on the football field. Um, but we are happy with where we are um, as a conference. We are aggressively looking to... Um, media opportunities as well as expansion and uh, assessing all of our options. And we hope to have um, some real movement here in the next couple of months. That's what I would expect almost word for word. Yeah. I, I don't think if you listen to Kevin Warren, he didn't, you know, they were asked a lot about the details of the financial agreement on stuff. Didn't give any details on that. I mean, they talked about being bold and he, you know, he made hints that we're going to, you know, keep looking to expand and all that kind of stuff. I feel like there's going to be positivity about the progress of the new media rights deal, knowing that 2024, I don't know if he's going to give any insight into the future of the PAC 12 networks. Um, there'll be some options and things like that, but yeah, I think you, about USC and UCLA are going to say that um, I'm curious to see if he says, cause I already said like they were going to look at for expansion. Like there was a, you know, right away. Right. Is there any, progress on that is there is he going to give any kind of updates or just like, i don't think he'll mention any specific schools at this point yeah it'll, it'll probably be more of i think it'll be a general thing where like we are still aggressively looking at things some some aspects look very promising um we're going to make decisions that are in the best interest of the entire league our current 10 member institutions um yada 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 and uh yeah but i'm sure they're uh, figuring out what they need to do to get San Diego State in and all that. 
yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think all that stuff's going to go on behind the scenes. I'm just curious, like curious what we get to. I don't think he'll. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to have a big announcement tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Warren didn't have a big announcement. It was just explaining rationale. Well, George Klyavkov wasn't a decision maker here, so he has no rationale to explain. So I don't think he's going to have much to say um, because I don't think I, I don't think he can announce anything unless uh, agreements have already been made behind the scenes with yeah. certain schools. And I don't think that's happened. I don't think so either. And I've. <sighs> it would but- be great if he walked up there and said, "Hey." We're adding San Diego State. They're going to start as a member in 2024, the same year that UCLA and USC are leaving, and we are working on a 12th member. We should have an announcement the next month. That would be awesome. I just don't anticipate that. Yeah, and it's 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 a I mean it's a tough spot because everyone's antsy. You're not sure. I mean, I've if you've read or listened to anybody talk about things, there's a lot of talk of the Big 12 attacking the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 attacking the Big 12 or you know the ACC like outside of some sort of miracle to get out of that grant of rights deal, like they're pretty much stuck for 14 Forever. years, you know, um, unless it was some big, big move, but we've seen a lot of big, big moves. Is is the PAC 12 going to be involved? Would the, the big 12 be involved? And of course, Fox and ESPN are always involved. So um, it's sort of just like trying to figure out like, well, what, what about this angle? What about that angle? I feel like when we hear something though, it's you're, like, you're right. It's not going to be like, they're going to talk about it at media day. It's going to be the big, bomb drop like acc and pac-12 to merge ripping up tv contract going to for like um i mean something like that Uh, you're like whoa just kind of out of the blue yeah absolutely but obviously as pac-12 fans you want to see the pac-12 be elevated somehow from this right not picked apart you know I, I and I'm still I'm kind of with Wilner the more I read I think there's a couple of real dumbasses on Twitter who keep posting as if they're insiders about there's, this whole thing there's dumbasses on Twitter yeah well there's like that MH ver three have you seen this guy it seems mm-hmm. like every message board poster is just consistently posting this guy's tweets and he's clearly like if you have any any like internet savvy whatsoever is just clearly just throwing shit at a wall and hoping something sticks gotcha. so he can point back to it. But I think there's a couple of these um, malefactors just constantly posting on Twitter as if they're insiders about how the Pac-12 is just going to get picked apart. And it may very well happen, but I don't think it's imminent. Like, I, I really don't. I, I think the Big Ten, as much as Kevin Warren was talking a good game about the next five years, I don't think anything's happened in the next three months. Um, and so the Pac-12 is going to have to get used to, okay, so what's our new reality and I think they could make their new reality a decently strong one. Now, is it ever going to compete with what the Big Ten can offer financially? No, never. It's never going to happen, and everyone should excise that from their brains. But could it make it good enough that, like, well, Oregon, you can go to the Big Ten on a graduated deal that will eventually get you a full share in six years, or you can stay in the Pac-12 and make $45 million a year. What do you want to do? And make it a tough choice for them. Um, I think that is... You know, I think there's there's ability here for the Pac-12 to shore up its position, um, and uh, hopefully Klyavkov has the uh, the juice to make those moves. Um, but I think immediately San Diego State makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, I, the issue is that you have to try to stabilize somehow. Mm-hmm. The Big 12 did it, and some people are not giving you know um, the Big 12 much credit because like there wasn't really a whole lot of options. They just did what, but you know, it, they were able, it was a huge blow to lose Texas and Oklahoma and they stabilized things. 
the, maybe the good thing is like they don't have a lot of big brands, so there's not like a lot of poachable um, teams left. Mm-hmm. And they added teams that are like, you know, teams that the programs that the Pac-12 would have liked to have added if they had the possibility. So they were able to stabilize things. It might be a little harder for George Klyavkov to stabilize things. So we'll see um, how that kind of comes around. But I don't think Oregon and Washington are going to want to sign their you know long-term deal. When the ACC, apparently the ACC schools, like when Maryland left, there was a lot of talk about they just want stability. So that's why they've had these long TV deals, the long grant of rights deal. So, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to be stable. Unfortunately, you're you're falling far behind because you're right. in that stability. So there's a price to pay for stability. But I think the Pac-12 kind of needs it because if there's any options where Oregon and Washington could leave and you get things sort of like built back up, then it just takes this foundation right out from under you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there's a... Um... But there's not a lot of incentive for Oregon and Washington to like no. sign up for... And I, someone was saying, like, hey, would you – I forget who it was, but, like, if you're the Big 12, do you say, hey, Oregon, Washington, come join us, and we won't even make you sign, like, a long-term deal. So if the Big 10 wants to take you tomorrow, you can go. But right. if not, you have a good home here. Um, something like that would be pretty smart, right? Because then you're like, hey, we're getting these two big brands, and if the Big 10 wants them, like, we're not going to stop it from happening. But if not – Man, we just have two more brands to our, and they have a really good football conference at that yeah. point. So I don't, I mean, you're going to see move like that. That'd be a bold move. There's bold moves the Pac 12 could make. I think you're going to see some of those. Agreed. Um, all right. Anything else? No. Let's get to some questions Let's- after this break, Ryan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Did you throw us to a break? That's funny. I did. That means he's in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> I wouldn't describe myself as in a hurry. Uh, well, put those headphones on because I got a I got a voicemail. If you had to guess who sent the voicemail, who would you guess? Perk. Hey, what's up, guys? Perk. Um, I had a question about kind of um, you know, recruiting, kind of the recruiting system and player evaluation. Um, kind of thinking back to past quarterbacks who are really good. Um, like Tate Martell comes to mind and uh, there's a USC quarterback at Max Brown, I think his name was, but guys that are like really high recruits, five-star recruits that go on to do like absolutely nothing in college and like not just underperform, but like really can't start anywhere. I was wondering in situations like that, and primarily with quarterbacks, is that more of just a misevaluation on some of the recruiting sites thing, or is it something that just goes wrong throughout the career? And if that's the case, 
Um, what do you guys think that, that typically is or what's responsible for that? Thanks, guys. Yeah, well, like, so Max Brown started for USC. They were pretty terrible, and then they bring in Sam Darnold. I don't, I don't blame Max Brown a lot. He waited a long time to get his chance to start. Like, Cody Kessler came back and did a, a, another year that they I don't think expected. Um, they just had a really bad offense, and Sam Darnold came in and just ran around, and so he was, you know, he was better at that. And he he ended up starting at Pitt when he transferred there, and I think he got hurt. Like Max Brown was like he was fine, like he was a a, a power five starting quarterback. So was he the you know a five star, the best player in the country or anything? Like no. Um, Tate Martell is a little, you know, he was a smaller guy, just lit it up in high school. If you watched him, he was electric. Didn't really make the transition to college, and I think that happens a lot where guys. And whenever you step up and, you know, you could be the best player in college, you get the NFL and everything, you know, speeds up and uh, you feel small, you know, and sometimes we've seen players go from high school to college or, and they get better. Like they, they, when you change levels, a lot of stuff changes, you know, and sometimes you embrace it. Like, oh my God, like I'm, I, I, I got more time for the film room. Like whatever it is, like they get better when they jump up the levels and other people like, Hey, I was really good here. And now I'm like, not as good. Um, so anytime you, when it's not just athletics, I mean, think about, um, well, me, for example, I excelled in high school, uh, with academic crap. You did. Then I get to college and it's like, oh, I didn't learn any work habits. So this is, (laughs) this is really (laughs) shitty. Uh, I was just getting by on just pure raw ability and now I am screwed. Um, the same thing happens in athletics. You got guys who were the best athlete on their team so they could do whatever they wanted. And then they get to college and, you know, they might've thought, oh yeah, I've got this in the bag. I know what I'm doing. And then they get to college and they got to learn work habits. Um, some of them take to it. Some of them don't. And okay. They've learned college work habits, but unlike, um, I would say, you know, real life is harder in some ways, but college, you know, you don't ever have those academic demands again. Well, if you're going professional in one of your sports, you're getting those same demands, except it's going to be graduated up again. Um, And so it's not just college level work habits. Can you learn professional level work habits? Look at Josh Rosen, you know, great college quarterback. Um, I think, you know, after a while learned really good college work habits not able to do it at the NFL level. Yeah. Um, just there's, there's, there's jump ups. There's major, uh, major differences. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, it's different for everybody. I mean, being in a different city, but you know, different requirements, but make it a lot of money. Like there's all these things that change in your life outside of the sport you're playing too. And it all can have an impact. My same thing. Like I was, I used to be smart back in the day and, were you? I didn't. I didn't have work work ethic either in high school. I didn't have to do that stuff. I could just figure out everything. And my freshman year, you know, at USC, I think I had like a two point eight, and I needed a three zero for my like engineering scholarship. And I was do like, you know, oh. I was I was subject to dismissal my fourth year at UCLA. <laughs> okay, I fixed it after one semester. <laughs> I didn't do it like then. I was like, whatever. But. I was like that first year, like, oh, like studying. Okay, so I got to do that stuff. I I skipped past academic probation all the way to subject (laughs) to dismissal. In your fourth year, how did you last that? There were a lot of, there were a lot of, um, There were a lot of strong social decisions being made that weren't necessarily the best uh, academic decisions. That's funny. I think the, the engineering thing was so, like, you just had so much of your time demanded. Like, you couldn't really. I couldn't really do the social stuff as much, right. which kind of sucked. But so it sort of like forced you into studying and discipline and all that, whatever. But um, okay, thanks for that one. Let's see. We've got, I think the first one we have 
email wise is from Chris about the Big Ten eight game schedule. Where's that? Uh, July 14th. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. I'll read it. Okay. Unless you want it. No, that's fine. I'm just going to move this a little bit closer. I mean, I was ready and like you're like. Uh, this is from Chris. Okay. Big Ten eight game schedule. I did say that. <laughs> Ryan and David. I love the podcast and look forward to hearing the latest episode each week. On the John Canzano episode, David brought up how the level of competition and travel will have a negative effect on both L.A. schools, turning them from an average of a 9-3 and USC team and a 6-6 six and six UCLA team into an 8-4 and four and 5-7 and seven average in the Big Ten. I am wondering if the Big Ten would possibly adopt an eight-game conference schedule similar to the SEC and ACC. Assuming the UCLA, that UCLA and USC play each other every year, it would cut down on the potential travel and, to quote Nick Saban, would help, quote, the competitive balance between the SEC and the Big Ten. With the extra non-conference game, the SC, the SC and UCLA, then SC and UCLA could schedule schools like Bowling Green every year and keep the Big Ten from cannibalizing itself quite so much. Interested to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great work, Chris. Hey, Chris. So uh, the trend was sort of, that's what the SEC was kind of gaming the system is when the like the Mississippi states of the world go two and six in conference. But they go four and zero out of conference, and they make a bowl game. Um, it's going the other way now. Uh, they, I think, they realize the television partners don't want to see Alabama play the Citadel. Um, they want more conference games, and the fact that the playoff will be expanded doesn't mean so. It, it's you don't have to go undefeated anymore to win the national championship. Like, right? You're gonna have like a three. If they expand to sixteen teams, you're gonna have like three win, three lost teams winning the national championship at some point. So. Uh, I feel like it, it, you, if you're going to have 16 teams in your conference, you can't play eight conference games. They, the way that the SEC is getting um, criticized now, one, people aren't showing up for the directional school games on home camp. They they want to fill the stadiums, and two, you know, you have two teams that like never play each other in like a decade. So you got to change all that. I think the change was, you know, the SEC might go to like 10, but they're going to go to nine for sure. They're going to go to nine team, nine games, and I think the Big Ten at, at nine works. I think the the was it the three three six or something like that. Like that model for sixteen teams seems to work pretty well. And the SEC and the Big Ten have, I think there's got a good like scheduling model where you have like two permanent yeah, whatever yeah. things like that. So, I yeah I don't think they're going to eight, Chris. Like, if you have too many teams, there's just you never play each other, and that's yeah. I yeah. think they're going to stick at nine, and I think the reality is um, it's going to be between four and five. Um, you know, road games in the Big Ten every year. Yeah. And obviously, with the travel partner, you'll have one of those road games against either USC or UCLA. Um, you know, in your five road game year, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but that still leaves a lot of Big Ten road games. And for USC, because they play Notre Dame every year, it's going to be five Midwestern trips, except for the you know UCLA week or well, I guess it's probably going to be five. Yeah. So that's tough. Um, Not going to be great. But if Notre Dame joins, then it at least it would be a league game, and it would be like. An out of conference game in the Midwest every year, but um, yeah. or every other year, yeah. So. But at least they can go to bed at night on a bed made of money. Yes, <laughs> Scrooge McDuckett, all you want. Okay, Pac-12 logo from Michael. He says, "Hey guys, I'm listening to your most recent podcast and heard you talking about the desire to keep 12 teams, so the conference logo doesn't have to be changed." That was just my little joke. Um, I think this will all- teach you to make jokes, Ryan. Hmm, I think it was all in jest, but the Pac-12 actually did a smart thing when they rebranded. And created a logo where the number could easily be changed. The quote 12 can be changed to any number and still look all right. 
Uh, it could easily be changed to a 16 if the Pac-12 becomes a super conference, although the chances of that at this point look pretty slim. Go back and look at some of the 2010 game footage. You'll actually see the new style logo with, quote, Pac-10 on the field. He has like a blurry picture he attached. Uh, I know you won't go out and look for yourself, so here's a quick screenshot from YouTube. That was very smart that he did do that. That looks like an old logo, though. Like, the, the pack is very different. Like, that's a different logo. Yeah, but it's it's still part of the same rebrand that was going on. Okay. Like, you can see, I think you can, well, yeah, it's not the exact same thing. And it's, like, red instead of blue or whatever, but I don't Look, know. don't be a hater. I'm not trying to be a hater, but yeah. yeah like, you're You're being a hater, and I'd like you to stop. Okay. Uh, but thank you, yes. So if they want to... Thank you, next. If they want to go to 10, if they want to go to 14 or 16, shouldn't be that much. you got to pay a graphic designer, fix it a little bit, and you'll be okay. I don't think there'll be any logo problems, no. no. All right, this is uh, from Jeremy in Utah. Dave in Big Ten country. It's great to hear that Dave is fully embracing the move to flyover country as the airplanes pass over during the pod. Way to show solidarity with your new conference mates. Go Utes. Yeah, so uh, I, I I live in El Segundo. Uh, I live uh, approximately as the airplane flies about half a mile from the runways of beautiful LAX. Planes go off approximately once every minute. Um, yep. And I've just learned to live with it. I don't even notice it anymore. Um, but you guys get a little glimpse into my life. He's in studio today, so we're not hearing that. I can make the noise. Pretty good. So you, you don't notice it, but it's it's in your brain. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Playa del Rey, and like, yeah, you just got used to it. Like they were flying pretty much all the time. You're yeah, like, oh, okay. and you just know that if you're on the phone with somebody, oh, you got to pause for like twenty seconds because here's a plane coming by. Uh, another one from Michael. Uh, Dave is missing the point. I mean, you've got to be more specific. Michael says <laughs> the value, the value of the extra Big Ten money is that UCLA will be able to buy more gloves. But Michael, here's the How thing. How did we take here's this long thing. to make that joke? How Here, did we take no, this? No, but here's the thing. <laughs> okay, it's a race, right? It's like mm. the great dreadnought race of the early 1900s. Okay. Okay. I buy an extra box full of gloves. Then you buy two extra boxes of gloves. Then I buy three extra boxes of gloves and so on and so forth. And suddenly we've spent $75 million a year on gloves. Mm. It's a, it's a rat race. True. You want to get off this treadmill. You want to have enough gloves. You don't need to have more gloves than everyone in the competition. You just need to have enough. But UCLA didn't have any. So they were like correct they, the zero but, boxes of gloves. But as Andrew's graphic showed from several years ago, the glove quotient has has been figured out since Rick Neuheisel's days. Okay. They have a, a minimum of three pairs of gloves per player on the team. Has at that all been time. asked? Have people asked that? <laughs> I'm gonna ask that tomorrow. You should. Chip, how's the, the what's the glove lineman? what's the glove situation at UCLA right now? Do you have enough gloves? That's a good question for the offensive lineman that's coming from UCLA. Yeah, well, because like, they have to wear gloves. Yeah. What is your your glove situation? Do you have enough? We heard before that Rick Neuheisel said that there was a shortage of gloves. Do you have enough? Can you do this? And it says UCLA or Bruin Head or something. Put your hands together, like you know. Um the, one of the coolest parts of covering like recruiting stuff, not coolest, but it's just lame, but it's also something you do. <laughs> By cool, I mean lame, is when you're like, ooh, that, that prospect who's visiting from like Louisiana, 
wearing Washington gloves, you know, like whatever, like whatever, like there's always like, oh, they're, they're wearing the gloves of some school that, that is on their like top five list or something. It's, you got to report what gloves they're wearing. Um, and they might change them up. They might wear different gloves, but you always, you got to watch this kind of things. So, oh, they're he's wearing uh, Arizona socks. Watch out. Jed Fish has been on his, you know, sending him stuff. Uh, was that me or you? That was. That uh, was. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. This is from John in Oakland. Pac-12 doomsday scenario and Oregon question. Hi, Ryan and David. A doomsday scenario for the Pac-12 is as follows. The Big 12 rejects an outright merger as it recognizes the media revenue pie wouldn't grow enough, and a 20-school conference would mean smaller slices for current Big 12 members. Instead, they offer membership to just the four-corner Pac-12 schools, Arizona, ASU, Colorado, and Utah, who accept. Uh, Stanford, Cal, Washington State, Oregon State, and Washington, who sees a chance to be king of a conference, head to the Mountain West to make it a 16-school conference. Given the Big Ten doesn't want Oregon, even as a partner with Notre Dame if it joined, what do you think happens to Oregon? Would it go independent? Would it beg, plead, offer to do unnatural acts with Phil Knight to get into the ICC or the ACC? Do you think any of the former Pac-12 school presidents would lift a finger to try and get Oregon into their new home conference? Regards, John and Oakland. This strikes me as John and Oakland somehow being a very hardcore Washington fan. Yeah, he's kind of like you're throwing Oregon out to to pasture, like... You're like, uh, Oregon State, Washington State, uh, the schools are going to be fine, but Oregon is screwed. <laughs> Oregon's fucked. Um, yeah. I, um... I could see the, the, four, the, the four corner schools going to the Big 12. I could see that happening. Uh, they kind of keep their, like, we have good schools, but not, like, great brands. Um, and it's just sort of like, we got 16 teams that are all, like, a bunch of teams are good, and it's fine. Here's the part I don't. And this might be me being an idiot. The joining the Mountain West doesn't make a lot no, of sense. No, that doesn't make a lot of sense. What is preventing the Pac-12 from being the Pac-6 and just being a six-team conference in that scenario where those four left? Because they're not really growing the pie that much, those four schools anyway. Is there a point at which the entire league leaves, loses too much absolute value um, and they don't have enough leverage or whatever? Because I think you're maintaining then the Bay Area, you're maintaining Seattle, you're maintaining Portland, and then you're... You got Washington State and Oregon State for competition, but um, yeah, I, th- I would think the per school would still be, you know, decent. That's an interesting point because why do you need ten or twelve? Like, well, the problem is like there's things you have as the Pac-10 or the Pac-12. The access to the Rose Bowl is one. Like, if you're only six teams, you're probably not getting into the Rose Bowl anymore. Um, you know, what are your bowl ties going to be? You could get a pretty good TV deal, and you're selling those West Coast time slots, right? To you know, there would be valuable. Yeah, there's less conference inventory. You're only playing five conference games if you've only got six teams. But they, so you got to schedule a lot of out of conference games. Yeah, so it'd be like a semi independence for them too, because they would have to fill out seven games in their schedule with non conference play. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's way outside the box. I think there's some probably other reasons why you don't want to have a conference that small. Just trying to fill. The rest of your, you know, all the games or playing teams twice or whatever. I don't think that's going to be. Well, I guess. All right. So then. It, and no Rose Bowls. So like in that scenario, then you also add Fresno State and San Diego State. Right. And so you're at eight now. Pac eight. Did you make that work? Um, I, think I think it's more feasible. Uh, seven games. So you have to five, five out of conference games every year. Uh, if you have some sort of deal, you could have a deal with the Mountain West. Do you play like two Mountain West schools per team or something like that every year? Like that would be kind of interesting but i maybe maybe i'm just being like nostalgic and maybe this is all going to change because the playoff makes the rose bowl like a permanent 
semifinal game or something. But if you would, you would rather have a strong enough Pac-12 or whatever the conference is to still be the Rose Bowl representative. Now it's tough because USC and UCLA, I think it was forty-six percent of the Rose Bowls USC and UCLA were in. Uh, I know it's not; it's been a while for you since your birth or whatever, but still, there's a lot they, of they played in it. Since then, they haven't won it since I was uh, a month and a half old. Right. Um, But between those two schools, almost half of the Rose Bowl, you know, representation from the Pac-12 came from those two schools. So, you know, Oregon, Utah, like, well, this is a scenario. Utah's gone. I think there's some schools that could definitely represent, but you have to be a strong, it has to be strong enough. And I don't, I don't think losing like Utah and the Arizona schools are going to help keep the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl together no. but um yeah doomsday scenario but I, I i think if if you're any of those schools left in the pac 12 i mean you could argue stanford is if, if stanford is, ends up being the pair for notre dame they're in a pretty good spot but they don't control their own destiny like oregon would have the best shot at controlling their they have the best scenario about controlling their own destiny like they should be fine Oregon should be fine. Washington somewhat should be fine. Stanford might do better than both of them just because they're, but it's more of the partnership with Notre Dame where they want like those two academic schools to join or whatever it is. Maybe. Um, so, so I think there's more upside with the Stanford, you know, but there's no, there's as much upside because Oregon and Washington could be in one of those conferences too, but I don't know. Anyway, thanks John Oakland. But yeah, he doesn't seem to be an Oregon fan. Chip Kelly dilemma from Ross uh, hey, guys, I was curious what your thoughts were on UCLA and Chip Kelly once they moved to the Big Ten. Does UCLA stand pat regarding the next two years' success, regardless of the next two years' success, or do they take the newfound money and go after a new coach? They, luckily, take, the, they, just, they take the newfound money and go after a new coach. Luckily, they just signed enough, him to an extension. Enough, enough. <laughs> I would be, I would be uh, surprised if Chip Kelly's still the coach when they enter the Big Ten. I mean... For another decade of Big Ten play, right? Enough. Like the, the first decade. Enough. Of, okay. Enough with you. Just trying to help. Yeah, I get it. Uh, this is from John and Brea, the future. Oh, John's uh, always so smart. Hi, Ryan and Dave. When my son was younger and I had to convince him to get his chores done early on a fall Saturday morning, we adopted a saying, life's too short to watch Big Ten football. And it was true. Illinois versus Minnesota is mind-numbing football. Get up, get the chores done, because exciting, interesting college football doesn't start until later in the day. Are you worried at all that your Saturdays are going to be turned upside down? Can you really care about Iowa versus Indiana while you are still hungover from Friday night bar hopping on the Strand? And I'm looking forward to you both picking the Big Ten games against the spread and then hearing about how you watched Maryland versus Purdue on your phone while settling into the press box in East Lansing. The cat's in the cradle. My son's moved away, so I guess I'll get up early and watch Rutgers versus Nebraska and pretend that the outcome matters to USC and UCLA somehow, and the chores will have to wait. On a positive note, I'm happy to be living in Big Ten country now because the housing is so much more affordable. Question, from experience attending or covering Rose Bowls or going on the road to cover your respective teams, can you please match 12 Big Ten fan bases to the current Pac-12 fan bases, just so we know what to expect when they come to visit? Thank you for your years of service. You are all you are all that's holding the conference together at this point. Please continue to cover the Pac-10 in the future, especially my Arizona Wildcats, so we can continue to care about the truly entertaining games that are played deep into the night each Saturday in the fall. Cheers. That's. I think this is a good one. I don't know the fan bases enough. No, I um, mean the obvious analog is USC and Ohio State. Um, 
But other than that, I don't have a whole lot. Yeah, I think we could talk to some Big Ten experts and get some some thoughts, you know, because there's like there's definitely little rivalries like, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, like is that sort of like Oregon State, Washington. Purdue feels like the Stanford of the Big Ten. Maybe it's Northwestern. Yeah. I don't know. Northwestern feels more like the Cal. Hmm. They did want to unionize, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that would be, I think we, we don't, you know, we're not knowledgeable in most things, but we are less knowledgeable in yes. Big Ten fan bases. Um, I do share his melancholy though about Saturdays in the fall because I don't, and we've joked about it on this very show, like long before watching Big Ten football is one of the worst experiences <laughs> you can have as a college football fan. Like so many of these games, and I, I think it's something in the names of the places it's something in the geography of the places, mm. the topography. You know, you think about all these flat I states and then having to watch them play football and they play a lot of them a very depressing and boring style of football. Like Iowa football is a fucking chore to watch. And it has been since Kirk Ferentz has been there and probably before that. It's really it's, bad. You're, it's like you're trying to make it not exciting. It's, it's, it's less exciting Stanford. Like it's mm. so much punting. So much. Do you know one of the worst games I've ever seen last year was Illinois Penn State. So yeah, dude, Brett Bielema, like he takes it was Bielema, right? Like no, not Bielema. Um, I don't know, dude. It doesn't matter. His, I think it was him. Like whatever the guy that took his former like Wisconsin coach takes over. I think they were five and seven. Illinois was five and seven last year, but they beat like Nebraska, I think, in the opener, and then they beat ten, Penn State in like a. 17 overtime game or something like not that many but it was a lot where they were doing the two-point conversion thing and it was like 20 to 18 neither team could score the two-point conversion yeah. they just kept going back and forth and back and then like in the seventh overtime like someone gets a two-point and then the other guy get the other ones to, like it was terrible and yeah. it was embarrassing loss for james franklin and Penn we're State. you and i are gonna have to sit and watch that crap we're gonna see some of that stuff yeah but thanks john uh let's see the pack 12 is dead long live the Pac-12. Hey guys, KC from Tacoma. So quickly on the media market and kind of the question behind viewing of Washington State from the Andy Staples article. What does he mean? Who uh, knows? Just okay. keep reading. I did. I yeah. Didn't, didn't. It's very conversational. Hard to know what you're saying right yeah. now, KC. Uh, when thinking of markets, think part of Seattle more than Pullman Media because a lot of the fans and alumni are actually in that area. It's not really a husky monopoly along the Puget Sound cities, uh, thus why Washington State has more viewability than some of the other Pac-12 teams. On Mountain West, if this, – this is very weirdly – He has uh, – so, Casey, like a, you've done no punctuation here. Did you dictate this? <laughs> it does. It seems like that. Like, yeah. Um, like there, you're missing some articles. Uh, okay. On Mountain West, on Mountain West, on, <laughs> on Mountain West. <laughs> if Washington State did move there, great. I would love a trip to San Diego to watch the game rather than LA. I would apologize to your home city, but I think you'd agree. Speaking of markets and Mountain West, make note Boise's population is nearly the same as Washington, most populous east side city, Spokane. Thus, why bringing in Boise State is not a great market. Lastly, I want the Pac-12 to go all out petty on media day. That's something we talked about. 
bring USC and UCLA to the special photo op area, then later superimpose their media pics and videos inside the shit emoji. That's that's pretty petty. Uh, at Media Day, great food for everyone. And for USC and UCLA, uh, Harry Weathers. Werthers. Werthers, all those like... Um, Werthers originals. Yeah, those originals. Were meticulously gathered from purses found at estate sales, thus not only physically but spiritually tainting them. Next, continue to have the AD as one of the worst football teams in the Pac-12, Colorado, continue to throw great shade with comments like, we're not losing any playoff teams. Next, make a two-year rule that USC and UCLA, or UCLA and USC, must be routed through three different airports to play games and only 9 a.m. kickoffs under the guise of preparing them for Big Ten play. Go Cougs and praying for petty Pac-12. I hope Stanford, the Stanford tree urinates on a model of the golden bear making love to a Trojan. Great. Um, I, I don't know why it would urinate on a golden bear making love to a Trojan. That's a cow. A, They're still around. It should be a Bruin. Yeah. Uh, They're uh, there, a mythical bear. I, I, think, I think you're trend, like, it does seem like this was like, you know, your dad is like speaking into his phone to send a text yes. or something. And it's like, I think that's what happened here with Casey. Yeah. All right. This is a podcast question that you forwarded to us from Mike and the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. Ryan and Comrade Dave, how pissed are UCLA fans going to be if Newsom finds a way to block the Bruins' move to the Big Ten? Also, Phil Knight has said publicly he wants Oregon in the Big Ten, but I'm not seeing how throwing his money at the problem will get them into a better conference. Interested to hear your thoughts. Fight on. Uh, the Newsom stuff is simply political posturing because he fancies himself a presidential candidate and thinks in some way this is winning him political points. It isn't. It's very stupid. He should stop doing it immediately, and it has absolutely no effect on the move. So the regents meeting and all that stuff, not, there's nothing that's going to happen. Uh, there's no, he's not even threatening anything happening. He just wants them to explain themselves. But the, the regents came up and said before Newsom chimed in, right? Like they yeah, He were said, like, okay, this is up to UCLA. They can do whatever they want. Okay, so there's no like... No, there's nothing. Nothing being held. No, up. this is just him posturing. But the governor of the state I live in was saying he doesn't like it, so I assume it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> he, he, he has very little to do with this. I, I, I don't know if he just heard from like donor base in the Bay Area who was not happy with this or something, but he can't do anything, and it's just no, posturing. It's a yeah. I, when I when I saw that, all I I mean I didn't know much about how the board of regents works and all that but all that looked to me is just like posturing like hey we protested but oh those evil bruins are leaving and i think he's trying to make himself out to be a big swinging dick and um in this area he isn't all right we got one last one from uh matthew in mountain view stop it dave just stop it hello jets i'm writing today to complain about dave and ask him to stop about what you may ask am i upset about his online shitting on stanford and its lack of fans well, yes, but sometimes the truth hurts. Is it his occasional, irresponsible, salacious accusations, which he states as fact, that Stanford's previous offensive line dominance was due to performance-enhancing drugs? I've heard the rumors too, but they seem to come most prominently from Cal message boards. No, my beef with Dave is his oft-repeated claim that the worst game he's ever seen was when UCLA beat Illinois 6-3 to his freshman year I might have voted for UCLA's 20-6 home loss against an 0-5 Notre Dame team in 2007, but sure. Was that a horrible game? Sure. But which game? As any historian of mediocre <laughs> UCLA football would know, UCLA beat Illinois 6-3 not only in 2003, but also in 1991. I, I ask anyone who has ever looked at a picture of Dave 
Is that a man who went to college in the mid-aughts or the early 90s? Simply put, does Dave look like a man in his late 30s or early 50s? When I showed my wife a picture of Ryan and Dave and said those were their ages, she immediately <laughs> identified Ryan as the millennial. <laughs> and so it goes, Matthew and Mountain View. I post. Um, I posted an interview of myself uh, interviewing a basketball player on Zoom, and so it's like my face and his face, and somebody's like, wow, your beard has gotten so gray. <laughs> like yes, yes, the long summer of red beard has given way to the uh, the very long winter of white beard. Nice. Um yeah, I, I I actually have no defense against Matthew uh, from Mountain View. Matthew's wife, just Matthew, like tell your wife, uh, or I'm going to address this to Matthew's wife. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're a lovely woman. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew, for the lovely email. I'm glad I didn't, you know, there's a lot Maybe of- Maybe I'm aging backwards. <laughs> maybe like, I'll start to look Benjamin younger Button at some point. It? Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's like, a, maybe it's like, a, it's one of those uh, bell curves. You know, mm. I, I look oldest when I'm in my 30s and 40s, and then I'll start looking younger again. Uh, sure. Yeah. Right. Isn't that the way time works? I, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We we live in the you know South Bay area. It's just like sort of like there's a lot of Peter Pan here. A lot of people you know try to stay young as long as they can. And I'm just trying to get as old as possible very quickly. Yeah. You need so you're gonna be representing L.A. Uh huh. We gotta we gotta turn this around. I I heard you went to the gym. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. I was there this morning, six. Uh, you're going to keep going. Yeah. By the time we get to, you know, cover Big are you, Ten are, schools, are you being one of those beach body pitch guys right now? I'm are you going to Are you going to sell me on a pyramid scheme? I want to say we have to be like, we have to be as typical. So LA I have idiots. to. I have to look like I went to USC. Is what you're saying? <laughs> I have to well, look like an asshole from SIGEP. <laughs> yep. Like okay. that's going to be way better. Yeah. In the Big Ten. You yeah. Know? They don't want to see someone that looks like them. They want to see like, oh, these these pretentious LA guys like carrying a surfboard. Like we had like carry a surfboard into the you know media room or something. We gotta do that. Okay. Yeah. All right, we can do this. Can you, yeah. All right. So that's the work I'll put in. So write it down. Uh, Dave gonna look like an idiot from SIGAP going forward. Like in two years. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I I'm, can do it. I probably started like working out heavy, like little three, three and a half, four years ago, something like that. But it's starting to be like, it's hard getting up in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, I could skip. That's because you're not a millennial. No. And I'm actually in my fifties. And so it's like, it's not as easy. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta keep the momentum up for the next couple of years. You know, I can't like let myself go until like two years, maybe in the big 10 until they like kind of, you know, yeah, I, I can't just. I can't go into no, it. No, you can start. You can start being influenced by the Big Ten cream cheese diet once oh, you're there. Yes. Yeah. I want. I want some of that. Just nothing but cream cheese. So that's at a all good times. excuse. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I can stop. Like I'll stop working out in like 2026. Like yeah, two yeah. years of the Big Ten. Like uh eh. Yeah. Yeah. Do do the thing where you become obese in old age because that's really good for you. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we should probably wrap things up because. Because what the hell are we even talking about right now? Yeah, we got Pac-12 Media Day tomorrow. Pac-12 Media Day tomorrow, people. Pac-12 freaking Media Day. No one's more excited about Pac-12 Media Day than David freaking Woods. And I'm going to be along for the ride. We're going to be there together. Oh, fuck. What content do you want from there? I'm sure David's going to do lots of interviews, break, you know, cut it all up. 
Remember I've done that before? Like I've done interviews. You went and did little um, whatever they call it. You got sound. Um, got, yeah. You got sound from uh, Media Day. And from lots of different show. people put yeah. on the show. Yeah, those were a couple of shows that I just missed, and you just created a show out of uh, your media clips from Media yeah. Day. Um, that takes Maybe a lot you could just do though. that again. No, that takes a lot of work. Maybe you could try that. What Maybe you, you could do the video interviews of Chip Kelly, too, and I just won't go. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap things up for David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham, and we are the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.